Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. Glad you took time here to celebrate Easter, the resurrection of Jesus. And, and I know coming here today at Easter... If um, you're coming in and you're going, of course I come to church on Easter. It's Easter, right? It's tradition. That's that's the reason we we come here, right? The, the other the other reasons are, as Shane kind of insinuated, that you kind of came here because I don't know, maybe you're kind of bribed to come here a little bit. You know, you were you were there's going to be like a brunch or dinner or something that's here, and there's you know some of the kids, you know, there's going to be an egg hunt, and he mentioned chocolate. Um, this is our excuse to have chocolate today. You're thinking, oh, I shouldn't do that. No, today's a good day to have chocolate, I think. Is that true? Is anybody with me on chocolate? Are you okay with that? Are you going to admit and you come out of the closet that you, you like chocolate, you want to you eat it? I admit that. Nothing wrong with that, I guess, especially in this day. My daughter today, the, the Easter bunny, she's 15. So there's Easter bunny still comes to our house. There is some little uh, Cadbury mini eggs. You've had those before? Those are so good. So anyway, we're not here for that. Um, <laughs> but we're here today, and, and, and the reason we're here today is something that I want to emphasize with us this morning. The reason that we're here today is, I believe, it, in, if you really think about it a little bit, is what we all need. And, and so I have this question up here this Easter day is, what is the greatest need our world has today? What is the greatest need in our world today? Think, think about that a little bit. What is that greatest need? And, and I, I think for some of us it could be, well, you know, well, well love, obviously. Love is the greatest thing. And, and we could, it'd be hard not to argue with love, right? Because love makes the world go around. And, and even the Bible says that the, the greatest of these is love. You know, love, love, you can't go wrong with love. You can't fail in love, right? Love is a big deal. But but I think there's something else that's even underlining all that for us that why we're here. The other one might be peace. How many say we need some, I think so, I need some peace in this world. It's kind of a crazy world we live in, right? We, we, we live in a world that there's a lot of conflict. There's war going on all the time. There, there's, there's conflict. Uh, you know, hopefully today you can just take a break from politics, right? Today it's just, it's just crazy what's going on in our world. And we could, many of us could say we really need some, we really need some peace. The other thing we could say is maybe personally for you is that you would feel like you need strength today. Some of you would say, that's what my greatest need right now is strength. And I, I would say that's for a lot of us. Get, getting through what we need to get through and we're, maybe our bodies are, you know, we've got struggles or we just strength emotionally to get through what we need to get through. And in fact, even the holidays sometimes, as much as we can celebrate Easter, it can be hard for some people, the holiday season like this. But I would say, is looking it over and all the needs that we have. I would say the, the greatest need, the, the what gets us going in the morning, that helps us through conflict and relationships, that, that, that really comes down to a place where we're, we need of anything that we need to get through life. And I would say even it's what we need in a waiting room and in a recovery room. It's soberly, this is for some of you this last year, had, had some loss that you're staring at a grave. For some, it might be even today, and for all of us, one day, it's what we hang on to as our last breath and what 
comes down to our last heartbeat. And it's this, it's hope. It's hope. If you really break it down on why we're here today, what keeps us moving, the glimmer of light, the motivates us to move forward, no matter what, it really is, if you think about it, it can be hope. Now, have you ever just looked up the word hope? You know, you Google it or go, hey, Alexa. <laughs> What's hope mean? I did that in my living room the other day. And this is the response, a few other responses. This is what she said. A feeling of anticipation and expectation of a desired outcome. A feeling of anticipation and expectation of desired outcome. That's a pretty good working definition of hope, isn't it? Is there, in your life, this Easter morning, is there something you're anticipating or expecting you wish will happen? Is it a goal to accomplish? Is it a, a challenge to overcome? Is it a person you need to meet? Is it a person you need to reconcile with? Is there an issue or a problem that you want to get over? Is there a, a preferred future that you're desiring that you hope would be a positive outcome? And we think of the power of the hope that motivates us in our daily lives. You know, like, it, it, you think about what really gets you up in the morning. You're like, if you're a kid, my mom gets me up, right? Or, or my alarm clock gets me up, right? There's, but what drives us? What, where does that come from? What keeps us going? What, what keeps us to believe the best is yet to come? Isn't that true? And we're here today thinking about the, we were believing for the best is yet to come in our lives. And yet, let's be real with the whole hope thing, is that we have gone through in our life and you live enough in your life that what you were hoped for didn't happen. Or what you were hoped for, it, 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 it happened, but not in the way you want. In fact, it caused a lot of problems. And, and you're here today and I'm here today at times when we've been over and over, we've experienced in, in our life, over and over, we have experienced disappointment and where we've left been left empty in all of it where there's been empty promises what we were hoping for that we put on ourselves or others have put on ourselves and what it did was with this emptiness over time it can create a sense of hopelessness and i tell you what one of the leading challenges in our world today of this sense of hopelessness is a great epidemic of depression. Some of you in this room, depression for you is a very real thing. And for some, there is a, there's some in the area where clinically, medically, that you're needing some help with that, that some therapy or medicine. And there's, that's very, very true. Depression is very much can be that way. But for a lot of us, it's depression is, a, is an emotion that we face in a sense of hopelessness that we experience. And yet the very reason we're actually here today and the very reason that we can celebrate hope is this, that we put our hope in not wishful thinking or warm, fuzzy feelings of the future, but we put our hope in, our trust in the God of all hope. Now think about this, of what he's already done. We can put our hope in, we can put our feelings of anticipation and expectation of what, to, what the outcome we're hoping for because of what has already taken place. See, we celebrate the embodiment of the resurrection Christ. And there's two things I want to leave with us today about that is that when we celebrate hope, is that we celebrate hope because the resurrection has happened. It's happened already. We put our hope in that. 
You're thinking, well, I know that already. We're here. I get that. Do, do we really understand the magnitude of really what this means? Now, this might surprise some of you today, what I'm about to say. And, and we can have a conversation after if I'm not clear, because I, hopefully I'm very clear about what I'm going to say. But the Christian faith, Christianity, your, your beliefs in, in, in Jesus and who he is and, and all of that rest not in a book, but in an event. There's some of you going, okay, well, the Bible, wait a second. Wait, our faith should be based on the Bible. Everything should be based on the Bible. Listen, our faith, our Christianity is not based on the Bible, The Bible records what happens and it created a set of beliefs because of what took place already. It's based on event. Christianity is based on event. I believe in the authoritative, perfect, infallible word of God. I'm so glad we got God's word and and how it's been preserved. But the reason we have it in the miracle of that Bible is because of the miracle that took place. It's all based on one event. It's based on the resurrection and that's why we're here today. I hope you understand that. Because some people can kind of defeat the Bible and this and that and the beliefs. And I don't know if they believe what the Bible says. Listen, keep the Bible in mind that the Bible is a historical document that records the events that took place and the greatest event that ever came about. And that's a resurrection of Jesus. It was the God's great love, his reckless, extravagant love that we just sang about, that he would send his one and only son to this earth and hoping to rescue a hopeless generation, a generation of people, or a world, a humanity of sin. And so when Jesus came into this world, he brought embodied to be the God of all hope. And when he gathered with his early followers in, in Galilee, where he, he, he spread the good news of Jesus, the, the good news of the God, which is the gospel. And the good news of Jesus is that the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God that he brought. And this kingdom that he's beginning to speak about, people got excited about the kingdom. They're like, wow. God is going to do something here because Jesus is coming and embodies this message of the kingdom and that Jesus is going to be the king of the kingdom. And we're excited about this. And there's a building, and there's a building, and there's a building. There was anticipation, expectation of what positive outcome could come from what he was communicating. But then there was a turn in events. There, there, there began, Jesus began to talk in a way that was different than what he was doing. There was, a, there was a change, there was a tone that was different, that he began to talk about dying. He began to talk about that he would die and then be, be raised up on the third day, that he would be, his, he would be sacrificed. And, and they began to go, whoa, 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 we don't, we don't really want to hear that. That's not, no, 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 thank you, Jesus. We want to hear, the, okay, yeah, okay. What, why does he keep saying that? And what was building was building, and, and, and it came even to the very last week of Jesus' life, where they were celebrating as he was coming in. We call it Palm Sunday, where they're waving palm branches, and they're, they're, they're singing and celebrating, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed son of David who comes, and they're excited, and this huge crowd is cheering. Why? Because they wanted a king to be the kingdom, and they wanted to kick out all other kingdoms. Everybody was excited about that. But events changed within this Holy Passion Week that led up to that Friday where those 
gathered, those closest followers that watched from a distance when he was on this hill called the Skull. And this hour that turned and about three in the afternoon where Jesus cries out in his last words, it is finished. And he bows his head and he dies. At that moment, at that time, hope died. Their feeling of anticipation and expectation of what was to come died right there. Their Lord and their leader, he was gone. He was dead. That was it for them. Let me ask this question for you this morning here is this. Has, Has hope died in your life? Has hope died in your life? Where you were once hopeful, you lived a hopeful life. You were excited about what was happening and things can begin to move along. And then what happened was you got disappointed. And then you got disappointed after disappointment after disappointment. And you found yourself, as many of us do, in a place of hopelessness. That at some point you felt like you experienced too much hurt, too much abuse, too much betrayal, too much loss, that you struggle finding much hope and having a positive output and an expectation of the future. You just don't have it there anymore. If that's you this morning, I want to tell you you're you're in good company because that is what the disciples, the closest followers of Jesus felt that day, felt those, those days that led. They heard it in the distance, but it became completely mute to what was to come. Why? Because dead is dead. People don't come back to life. We need to emphasize that Jesus' closest followers were not waiting on the tomb the first Easter morning. Someone was sharing earlier, they, they love sunrise services. And, and, and they said, we should have a sunrise service. I said, well, you should have came to the 8 o'clock because that was, that was about as early as we're doing this thing. And, and, and they said, oh, we love the sunrise. And I want to emphasize, there was no sunrise service at the first Easter. There was no pre-dawn candle vigil waiting for Jesus to rise from the dead. There was no countdown at the tomb. There was not 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, Q, Son, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Jesus, yeah, Jesus. No, no. Their teacher, their Lord, their leader died. Not just three minutes, because you could resuscitate someone there. Not three hours, maybe hope and keep them alive. Three days. No hope of resuscitation, no vision of resurrection. But so listen, you got to keep all that in mind. As you listen to that early first Easter morning, how it was such a surprise. Listen to these words in Luke. It says this, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the, the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered Entered, entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were wondering what, what about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood before them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over the hands of sinners, be crucified on the third day, and be raised again. 
Then they remembered his words. What was happening here is that the disciples, there was this moment they go, oh, that's right, he mentioned this. That was, they, they, they completely blocked that out. And yet, for good reason, all that led up to Jesus' torture and persecution and death and then in the tomb and that's it and sealed and everything's done. They, they, that was all mute to them. But all of a sudden they have recollection of this. All of a sudden the disciples and these ladies are like, oh, that's right. Okay, yeah, I kind of remember this. See, the reason we celebrate hope today is because what Jesus said he would do, he did. Resurrection happened. Listen, if you're here this morning and, and you also have doubts of Jesus, and, and, and maybe the doubts you would have is like, well, did he really exist? And can I just tell you this? You don't need to worry about whether he exists or not. He did because scholars said he did. Like history tells us, okay? We got archaeological evidence and we've got, you know, there's so much to, to, to prove that Jesus truly, truly existed on this, on this earth. I've been to Israel. I've seen it. It's, it's there. It's, it's all proof that's there. It's evidence. And we also have evidence of what Jesus said and did. We have, we have the Gospels. We have his actual words. They're, they're documented. You can't argue with history that's there. But I feel, still think there's people that still doubt the resurrection. There's doubt that fills people. And to be honest, you need to recognize if you have a bit of doubt of the resurrection... His early followers who followed him for three and a half years and died had the same thing. They had doubts as well. And, and even to help you out and get you off the hook a little bit of your doubt is this. Even Jesus' best friend had doubts about him. Peter. Luke tells us this, that Peter, it says, however, got up and ran to the tomb, bending over. He saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away, wondering to himself what happened. I'm thinking, Peter, dude, not even you. He didn't even believe. I mean, your best friend, the per, your right-hand guy, I mean, anybody would know that this is all true and this all happened. And so when he saw the empty tomb, oh, I wonder what happened. Isn't that amazing? No one expected the resurrection to happen. Even, this is so significant, the very men and women who knew him best. The very, think about this, the very people that one day would write about what happened. That would, not only that, but they would, they would use that writing to convince people of what had happened. The skeptics. And they documented, and what's so interesting in all of it, they documented their unbelief. I mean, if you're going to write your own story on this thing, wouldn't you make yourself a little bit more of the hero? Why is that not? Because it's documented of what took place in history. It's eyewitnesses of, of these, and they documented, and they, of their, they documented their disbelief. Think about this. They documented that they had no hope at all. And at this moment, when the, they saw the empty tomb, you know what their response was? They hid. It says on the evening now, that was morning and the evening now, the same day of the first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. What were they fearful of? They got our leader, Jesus. If they got Jesus, they're going to come after us. So they battened down the hatches and they were in incredible fear. And their feeling is this, life is over. There is no hope. Now listen to this. Jesus appeared to them 
He says this, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Can you just picture that moment? Surprise, here I am, right? Luke says they were startled and, and, and frightened and thinking they saw a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And there he has a meal. I think he has a, a, you know, dinner with them. Now, I don't know about you. I haven't been around a lot of ghosts, but I've never seen a ghost eat before. He told them this. He said, this is what is written. The message will, Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. He tells them, listen, what I said I would do, I did. And here I am. And he goes on and tells them about the fact that, that goes on about the, the message. And it's this. And, and it's a repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name, all nations beginning in Jerusalem. This was such a significant moment for the early followers of Christ as they're sitting and talking and eating with the risen Lord that he gave them a command. And as we read later, he gave them this charge. He gave them this, this, this motivation that it would change their life. That they would actually be, be so significant for their lives, but it would impact the, the people to come in the first century and the generations to come, the fact that we're talking about the first Easter, this Easter, is pretty significant if you think about it. And he says this, you are witnesses of these things and I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Jesus stayed with the disciples. He came in and out and visited them in these visitations over the course of 40 days. The Bible says, records that 500 people saw him alive. 500 people. Think about that. It wasn't just a few making something up. 500 people saw and were witnesses of that. He was he risen from the dead. And then he ascends to heaven. And 10 days later, they're all waiting. They, they follow Jesus' command to wait in Jerusalem. And the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And what's so powerful, Paul records this. He says that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in them. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in them and it empowered them. Because they put their hope and trust in him. See, the resurrection of Jesus created Christianity. It launched the church movement. The Bible didn't create it, but it documented it. We have documentation of what truly took place, that we believe it, we have eyewitnesses of it. The church didn't create this, didn't make it up. It lived it out. See, nobody's going to launch a movement out of a dead, a dead leader. No one does that. But a living Lord, yes. And it's all based on these eyewitnesses that were documented and copied and distributed and God has given us his word that we have today. Matthew wrote in his gospel because he saw Jesus. He was an eyewitness. Mark and, Mark and Luke talked to people, of those 500 people. They, they, they interviewed people. And they wrote that down. John, John talks about the, his, his eyes could see and his ears heard and he touched Jesus. And James, if there's ever a proof of, of Jesus being Lord, is James. James was his little brother. 
I mean, if you can convince your little brother that you're the Messiah, come on, that's pretty amazing. And so James believed he became the leader of the, of the Jerusalem church. And then there was Peter. Think about this. The worst thing imaginable could happen to his best friend he ever known. And Peter, after the resurrection, is recommissioned and rebelieved in all that Jesus did in rising from the dead. And he, he embodied this, this hope that he had, the hope of the Spirit in him. And decades later, decades later, as the church is in severe persecution and all that's happening to it, it survives because of, of these eyewitnesses say, listen, I was there. I know. And Peter, decades later, writes to a church that's being tortured and persecuted, and he gives him these words of hope. He says this, praise to be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth in a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter's saying, listen, it's all based, if you want to experience new birth, if you want to find living hope, it's all based in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What an amazing statement. Our hope is an event that happened. It happened. And we, we proclaim that he is risen. He is risen indeed. Yes, it happened. But here's something so powerful. Don't miss this this morning. The resurrection is happening. We celebrate. We celebrate the hope because of resurrection is happening. We're going to close here in a moment of what that really means. And as our team comes and prepares, you're going to hear of a life, a couple lives actually, they're impacted. And I want you to think of it this way as you hear these lives. Just as Matthew recorded it, just as John testified, just as Peter witnessed and experienced the resurrection, what you're listening to and watching here today is the same testimony. It's the same testimony. It's, it's standing before, imagine, imagine sitting before a court of law and saying, this is what I heard. This is what I experienced. That's what you're going to hear here in a moment. And it's going to sound familiar because some of you are going, that sounds like my life. That sounds like what I've experienced. And what you're going to watch is, and hear is someone who's experiencing the resurrecting life of Jesus. Yes, happened, but happening. It can happen in our life here today. And then we're going to close together as we do this. And you're going to listen to this. You're going to hear a person, a place of desperation, a place of end, of end of themselves in a very young age. And yet there was a glimmer of hope, an opportunity because of God's grace that entered his life that changed him and changed his life completely and, the, and, and his, own, his own father was impacted. Take, take a look at this. That's the, that's the resurrecting power of Jesus in a life. A life that was, as you heard, was at a place of desperation, a place of hopelessness. That, that, that in that moment when, when grace entered in, when, when Austin was able to meet Jesus in that jail and the transformation in his life was pretty amazing.
But here, the, the passion and the love that this father had of not wanting his son to die. Not wanting to, to go down that road and, 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 and do whatever he can to, to rescue his son from death. I don't know if this story reminds you of another father and another son. The perfect father that loved his perfect son. But a perfect father, father in heaven, gave his son to this world with the purpose of dying, laying down his son's life because of his great, extravagant, reckless love. That son to die for all of mankind's sins once and for all. Death and the grave. But three days later, to be risen, to be, and we celebrate that hope, that living hope through the power of the resurrection of Jesus. The resurrecting life. Have you experienced the resurrecting life of Jesus? Yes, he, resur- he was resurrected, but have you experienced it in your life? You can. You can. You, there's witnesses. We read about them when we just saw them. There's witnesses, and there's witnesses in this room, people here that experienced the resurrecting life of Christ. If you haven't, we want to invite you. We want to take a moment to invite you before we go off and we're, we're hungry and there's a lot of things and activities some of us are going to be doing today. But before we do, can we just take a moment? A moment for you? As Austin experienced on Christmas Day, the resur- his resurrecting day, how about this Easter day be your resurrecting day? We want to invite you, if you could bow your head and let's, let's take a moment here today. I'll tell you what I'm asking some of you to do is you, you're, you would not be the only one. There was people in our 8 a.m. service, people in our 9.30 service. I have a feeling today there's some that would say, I, I, I'm on the edge, but I haven't crossed over. I haven't invited Jesus Christ, the, the resurrected Lord, to resurrect my life today. So I want to remind you that it's the resurrecting life is not making bad people be good people. It's the resurrecting life is taking dead people and making them live people. And we want to offer you going from death to life with this invitation to say, Jesus, be my Lord and be my Savior of my life. I want your resurrecting power in me to change me, to transform me so I can live a resurrecting life. If that's something that you are desiring to experience and you've never made that decision, that choice to become a follower of Christ, I want to give you a moment to raise your hand. Or this might be a new commitment for you that you would say, man, I have, I have fallen away completely and I, I want to come back and experience the resurrecting life of Jesus again. I recommit myself to the Lord today. If that is you, I just simply ask you just to put your hand up and I want to pray for you this morning. Is there anybody in this room say yes to Jesus today? Yes to Jesus. This is your resurrecting moment. Anybody here today? Thank you in the back. Yes, back here, two of you. Way back there, that's awesome. Anybody else? Thank you, yep. Anybody else? That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you, right there. That's awesome, great. Yep, it's good. Okay, good. Well, we're gonna do this. 
those hands that were raised, we're going to pray with them together. We're going to help them pray a prayer. And the prayer that we're going to pray, it's there's nothing magical about the prayer, but what's the power of this prayer? The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead. And remember, it always points back to the resurrection that will be saved, to confess with our mouth and to believe in our heart. So let's do that today. Let's let's confess that. If you could repeat this prayer, if everybody could pray this prayer, this is a way that we're supporting those that are praying this prayer for the first time maybe today. Pray this with me. Jesus, I declare you to be my Lord and my Savior. I thank you for dying on the cross for me. For forgiving me of my sins. And through your resurrection. I can experience a resurrecting life. I commit to you. To be my Lord and Savior. Today. And for the rest of my life. Jesus name. Jesus name. Lord, thank you for the hands that were raised. Thank you for the work that you're doing in the lives here today. Thank you for the reminder of the hope that is you. That, Lord, that we not just declare you resurrected, but that your resurrecting power is in us and works through us. And we pray for those hands that are raised, that they know that this is the real commitment they've made in you. A real decision to be a follower of you. And just as those long ago wrote about it and talked about it and witnessed it. For those like Austin and Lonnie who have experienced that themselves and those are in this room today, may that be a witness as well that we're not alone. That Jesus, you are in the business of resurrecting lives. And so we're grateful for this day, this Easter day. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.